Do you thank you there, Eric? Praise God. Don't forget to join us this coming Sunday. Have an important announcement to make that is going to make everybody happy. And so I want to encourage you to join me this coming Sunday right here uh, as we live stream. We come together as the body of Christ. But uh, we have a lot of great things that are going on, a lot of good things that are happening, people being saved uh, every week, and lives are being touched and changed. But right now, let's receive our tithe and offering. You know, I was thinking that in the scriptures, the Bible says that there was a story about a widow. She only had two mites. That's all that she had, which was her whole living. So I can't imagine how meagerly this woman led her life and led her, you know, bills and how she organized her home and, and how intense she had to be watching every little penny go out in her food and her clothing and so forth. But the Bible says that Jesus was sitting by the offering buckets. And this woman came along and she cast in her two mites. Then Jesus says these words, she hath cast in all of her living. In other words, she had cast her life. In other words, Jesus says that this woman gave more than anyone else because it came from the core of her value. Her life was representative in these finances. And when she gave that heart, that life commitment, that life being invested in the kingdom of God moved Jesus's thoughts and verbiage. And so when we look at our tithe and offering, what we really begin to see is that they are a representative of our life. They are investments into the kingdom of God. They put a value in the kingdom far greater than anything else in our life. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we realize that our tithe and our offerings our alms, as well as our seed, are simply expressions of how much value God has in our life. How much value that the kingdom of God has in our life. So today, as we give, I want to encourage you that realize you're making a life investment. You're expressing your faith. You're establishing a value system. But right now, let's listen to Pastor Nicole as she tells us how to give. Hey, OBM family, here's your reminder on how to give. There are three ways. Number one, you can give it through the mail. I call that snail mail because we know it takes a little bit longer than everything else but i'm okay with that number two you can give through our online website at obmcc.org give that's an easy one and number three this happens to be i think my favorite it's text to give so here's the deal there's a little process to this the first time but then it's easy the person you're going to text is 77977 then in the message part, you're going to put OBM Bakken's all lowercase letters. It's going to send you a link. You're going to click on that link, put all your information in, and then it's set up from here until infinity. The next time, all you have to do is text that number and put in your amount to give. I want to encourage you that through this time, even though we're online, the responsibility of the believer isn't gone for our tithes and our offerings. We still need to do that for our local church. But number two, why are we allowing the things of this world to affect the things of the kingdom? See, we don't operate the same way the world does. We use our faith and we believe in someone else who provides everything for us. Don't be afraid, church. Be hopeful because God is still on the throne and the kingdom's work must go on. 
Give this week. Now, I want to uh, remind you that at the end of the service, I am going to be receiving communion. I invite you to do so. Now, I understand that you may not have what we call the sacraments of the church, but remember that receiving communion is not just in the symbolisms. It is the intent of remembrance, challenging our mind to go back to a place where we connected with Jesus Christ and life was changed. So we're going to be uh, receiving communion at the end of the service. So if you have a piece of ordinary bread, if you have a, a whatever you have to take as a symbolism of the blood, so I want to encourage you to join us in that. You'll be blessed. And then this Wednesday night, now I want to... Uh, say this, a couple of weeks ago, Eric announced that I was going to be on vacation. So some people said, well, where's Pastor? Where's it? Well, I've been on vacation. Uh, I've been here 38 years, so I have some buildup. And uh, so I took two weeks vacation. I planned it from last year because I missed turkey hunting. I wanted to go turkey hunting. I wanted to do some fishing, and I wanted to play some golf. And it just so happened that my grandkids were off, so I got to spend a little time with them. But I was on vacation, and I understand that you take vacation, so I took mine. But Eric announced it, but I guess some people missed it. So that's where I have been the last couple of Sunday mornings, is I have been viewing by live stream and vacationing in the Monday morning. Hallelujah. And uh, so we do need for you to pray. I need to kill a turkey. And uh, then I want to remind you that Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night and the following Wednesday night, I have asked my friend Mike Roebuck to preach on one of the great subjects that he preaches on, and that's how to study the Bible. He's going to be going through the strong concordance of vines, different Bible translations, different uh, help books, and so forth. And I want to encourage you that you join Mike for the next two Wednesday nights. It's going to enhance your life, and it's going to empower you to discover and to know God. As you begin to discover and know God, guess what? He's going to unveil himself to you, and as you find him or as you seek him, you will find him. So please join us 7 o'clock uh, this coming Wednesday night and 7 o'clock the following Wednesday night, and I'll be here And uh, because I never get tired of learning how to find God. All righty, let's today turn our Bibles to Romans, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 1. Romans 14. 1 and I might I won't put you through that I will encourage you to read it if you will because in this passage of scripture of Romans 14 1 down through the chapter there is a hidden message Paul starts out in Romans 14 1 him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him that eateth despise, eateth, let not him, I'm sorry, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now one man esteems one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. 
He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth it not the day does not regard it to the Lord. He that doth not regard it, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord. He that giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. In this chapter of Romans, the 14th chapter, we look at so many things, but one of the things that I think that we miss, this is one of the great areas where the adversary comes in, into our life. This whole chapter is talking about a thing called unity, a thing called unity. And this chapter is talking to us about accepting people with diversity, accepting people that are different than us. And so we're going to look at unity today. Now realize that they are all individuals, and they are the ones that God is dealing with individually. One can do one thing, another can do this, another can do that, but realize that it is not our job to direct them. It is God's job because they belong to the Lord. Now, unity means to be joined as a whole. It means to be brought together, but it never requires conformity. It never requires you be like me. It never requires you think like I think. I was looking at some things and uh, this uh, story came up and it really reminded me that sometimes, even though we're in the kingdom of God, we are very easily swayed to think like the world. In other words, it's not that we are of the world, it's just that our love commitment has stopped ruling and the principles of God have been laid aside. But here's one of the things I found. Uh, it says, uh, believe as I believe, no more or no less. I am right and no one else. Wow. It means to feel as I feel. Then another statement was, think only as I think. Eat what I eat, drink what I drink, look like I look, and do always as I do. Then you and I will be friends. Now, I understand that is so outlandish that we would never embrace it, but sometimes we start thinking like that. And our minds are to be renewed. So let's think about that we today, the greatest thing that we need to do is to strive to enact unity. In other words, we have to think about unity. We have to think about other people. We have to consider that they are not us, but that they are the making of God. And Ephesians, the fourth chapter, which many of us know, but in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 1 through 3, it says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, and that with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, in other words, making a real heartfelt effort to be unified unified or to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Anytime that unity is incorporated, what we do is we understand that blessing accompanies it. Psalms 133, 1 and 2. So as that anointing oil, which is the enablement of God, anointing simply means an enablement, a deposit, a requirement that is needed to be what God has commissioned you to be. That is anointing. And so that the anointing oil that was placed upon Aaron ran down over his garments, down through his beard, 
what it symbolizes is that Aaron was consecrated, anointed for God, and he was set apart to be in a place that stood between man and God. And so Aaron was an instrument of contact with God. So you and I are anointed to walk in unity. We are called to walk in unity, and we are encouraged to labor, make a real heartfelt effort. Now, I've met a lot of people that I am not in agreement with. I've met a lot of people that I think, where in the world did they come from? I've met a lot of people that kind of coincided with the book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, and I just thought they were all out of space. But that's not how God wants me to think. So I have to realize that what God wants me to think has a reward in it and realize that when we walk in unity, unity produces life. That's Psalms 133 and verse 2. It produces eternal life. Unity does. But division brings life to a place that the devil has the advantage to take it from us. So we want to strive for unity. One of Jesus' prayers for the church in John 17, 20, and 21, Jesus prayed that the church would be so unified and that it would represent God, you and I are one, you in me and I in you, and I pray that they would be in us and that we would be in them. Now that's unity. Now remember, Jesus isn't asking us to be conformed to everything that he wants. He accepts us right where we are. Remember, Jesus said himself that God would draw people unto him. Realize that Jesus came to do what? He came to save the world. And the good news of the gospel is this. It's not that you clean yourself up before you come to Christ. The good news is that you come to Christ the way you are and he receives you just as you are. And so we, as Christians, are to have the same mindset not only towards the world, but also towards one another. The Bible commands us, calls us to bear the burdens of the other. The Bible encourages us to lift up the weak. The Bible encourages us to help those that need to cope. The Bible encourages us that if we have this world's good and see our brother in need, that we meet that need. That is the stirring and the foundations of unity. We are one. We love our neighbors as ourself. We do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So the good news is, not that God has special people, not that one is right, one is wrong. God's not into that. God says, look, we have to be in a place that we accept people where they are. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, that God has set some in the church. And he begins to talk about the unity of the body. We are one body. We are many members. But then it talks about that God has made one the hand. God has made one the foot. God has made one the eye. God has made one the ear. And so that God, by his divine sovereign choice, he sets those people in the church. And it says that those that we deem to be less valuable, we end up bestowing and realizing that it has far more value than we have ever seen it have. So Jesus set each one of these members in the body of Christ. He set, not our choice, he set. So what we want to do is make sure that we accept people at face value, not at a value that if they do this, if they do that, if they see it my way, if they believe like I believe. No, we have to accept people at face value. The Bible says that we, those that have faith, accept him that is weak in faith. 
It never said that we are to have some type of underlining motive that they grow in faith like we or that they become like us. That is not the agenda of God. Remember that Jesus said to Peter when Peter said, well, what about him? He said, what does he have anything to do with you? You fulfill your plan and God will fulfill his plan in him. Now, some thought that, well, he was never going to die. Well, that was John the Revelator, and he died. But the point being is that many times we want people to walk our course. We want people to walk our path, and we can't. Remember, Romans 14:1, him that is weak in the faith, receive you. Receive you. In other words, we have to take people that are weaker in faith than we are. And we have to receive them or embrace them. We have to help them. We have to live with them. We have to accept them right where they are, at the level that they are, and have no desire to transform them because remember that they belong to Jesus, not to us. Now, they may grow being around us, but our agenda is not to make them like us. Our agenda is to point them to Jesus Christ. Now, it's, it's kind of like uh, when we meet people, we are uh, in the plumbing business. I don't know if you uh, are aware of or associated with plumbers. They have uh, what they call adapters. Uh, you can go from gas pipe to plastic pipe. You can go from copper to um, black pipe. You can go from all types of different substances, yet they can be united or they come into union one with another. They adapt in order to accomplish a process. So you might start out using black pipe or galvanized pipe for one thing, but then you end up switching over to plastic pipe because you need to twist it, turn it, take it up around or through a wall. It might be a lot of things, but what we do is we are commanded to adapt. We are not commanded to disassociate. We are commanded to adapt and receive those that are weak in faith. Well, how are we to receive them? Shouldn't they line up with us? No. If we have a stronger level of faith, then we are to be able to bear them up, not them, us. In other words, we are to become what they need, not what we need. In other words, we see them as the instruments or the making of God. And that's how we are to view people, whether they are leveled up with us or whether they are what we would call not quite what we are and so we have to make sure that we walk in unity and remember this whole passage of scripture is about you and I adapting connecting up with people that are not like us so that God's goal and his plan can be accomplished that's what it's about is the kingdom not about us now the only option to defeating division or strife is unity. And unity demands that we adapt to diversity. In other words, the hand has to adapt to the eye. If you begin to lose depth of perception, guess what? Your hand is going to miss its goal. But if your eye becomes aware of your hand and your hand aware of your eye, then we have hand and eye coordination. Now we have something that can be productive, but we have to adapt to anything that comes into our life. Remember that we accept one another, no matter what level their faith is. We do not Condemn them, judge them, speak down to them, criticize them. Why? Because the day was that you and I were weak in faith. 
Amen? We are who we are because of the working of God in our life. And so we have to accept other people because we once were them. And so as we receive those that are weak in faith, we receive them not at a place of judgment, but at a place of acceptance. We accept people that are weaker than we are. One man's faith allows him to eat meat. Another man's faith doesn't allow it. Another man is a vegetarian. Another man simply is not required to do that. So each person has requirements that are God-ordained. Now, there are certain things that the Bible says, this is what you're going to be. This is a requirement. This is what's going to cause us to be conformed to the image of Christ. But there are lots of scriptures that God has in the scriptures that we must realize that this is what God has set in the church. He has set in the church tongues, interpretation of tongues. He has set in the church uh, gifts of healing and the working of miracles. He has put those in there. He has put governments. He has put rulership and leaders in the church. These are sovereign choices. So do we argue with God? No, we don't argue with God. There's no sense in arguing with God because he has a plan and he has a purpose. So what we're going to do as believers, we are going to accept every believer at face value. It doesn't matter if he comes in bond or free, Greek or Jew, male or female, rich or poor, black, white, yellow, red, purple. It doesn't matter. We are going to accept every believer on the value system of God instead of our own value system. The old nature always tries to compare itself the way the world does. And whenever we say, well, they just don't have faith, or well, they just need to believe God, that's comparison. And see, we don't have the ability to do that. We don't have the right to do that. We have the ability because it is the old man. But really, when God says in Romans 14, one through three, receive him that is weak. That means that there is no criteria for us to judge another man or to judge God's purpose for his life. It means that we have to accept people. Not that I agree with everything that people do because I don't. I don't, but if I don't accept them at the value of God, if I compare them to me, then I have to realize that I am putting myself above them. That's not what we do. We walk one with another. Amen? Absolutely. And so we understand that we can't judge everybody, and we can't judge their level of faith. Let's think about, we remember the story in Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, he's being attacked by these armies, three armies, and Jehoshaphat is filled with fear. He calls a fast, and he calls all of Judah on a fast, and Jerusalem, they come together, and they set themselves apart to seek God. Now, they tell God of the injustice that's being done, but God hears their cries, sees their fasting, and what he does is he has a son of a Levi begin to prophesy. And God begins to prophesy through this uh, son of the Levi. He's a priest. And he begins to prophesy that there's no need to fear or to be dismayed because the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Good deal. That sounds so great. But then the next day when they get up to go out to battle... They come up with this plan to let people go before them and to worship God. Not to carry swords, no spears, no anything. They're just supposed to go before God 
and they're just supposed to say, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Don't you think there ought to be more than that? I would, but that's not what God said. God said, if you'll believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. So these men are selected and some step forward, but there are hundreds of thousands of people that don't step forward. They do not go out before the rest of the people. But at the end of it all, when it takes three days for them to carry away the spoil, guess what? The people that stayed behind, the singers, they were not penalized for where they were at all. They got to carry away the blessing or the spoils of a war that God had won for them. Now, well, what about the people that had greater faith to go out? Well, that's what God appointed them to. But if the spirit of the man that was behind them was not stirred by God, then it didn't matter whether he went or not. He might not have had enough faith. I'm sure that people would have said, well, why don't those guys have faith? Why don't they come out? Come on. They well, I, I'm sure that they could have all said that. But that was not the point. The point was that God had people purposed and prepared to do what he was asking them to do. But there were hundreds of thousands of people, men and women, that never answered the call to go out and to praise the Lord and to declare his mercy endureth forever. Yet they were not penalized by God. Why? Because God never considers the level of somebody's faith as a point of judgment. Because faith can grow, faith can be learned, faith can be used, but God doesn't judge us for where we are because he knows that we are all a work in progress. We are going from glory to glory. And so God is not in a hurry to get us someplace that we can't stand. He is in a hurry to stabilize us right where we are. And so these men go out. How about the men with David when he comes back to Ziklag? Six hundred men plus David have lost their families, their children, their goods, their spoils, their herds, their flocks. They're all talking about stoning David. And then David asked the priest, he takes the ephod, he seeks God, and he hears these words. Get up, pursue, and you shall overtake and recover all. Man, that sounded good. David in his mind said, I don't need anybody. But 400 of the 600 men wanted to go with David. But the 200 were faint. Now, they had walked as many miles as the other people, but the other people weren't faint. They had eaten the same thing that they'd eaten. They'd been in the same battle, in the same conflict. They had lost their families. They had lost their herds, their flocks, but they did not and could not go. So they... The 400 go with David. They overtake a slave of an Egyptian. They feed him. They comfort him. They get information out of him. David and the 400 men overtake the uh, people and they get all of the spoils and all of their stuff plus the enemy's stuff back too. But what about the 200 that were too faint to go? What happened to them? Well... The men, the 400, and David comes back and they share the spoil. In other words, they weren't penalized because they didn't have what everybody else had. They weren't penalized because they weren't as strong as someone else, as committed or as uh, diligent. I don't know what you would call it, but these men were overcome by grief and sorrow that other men were not overcome by. But they were never penalized. So in other words, 
some men have greater stamina, greater commitment, greater focus, a greater get it done, whatever you want to call it, they have it, but the ones that don't still are not cheated or shorted by God. So we as Christians must realize that we do not want to judge people for something that they have not achieved yet, and we don't want to judge them or criticize them and cut them off from the activity of God. And so, and in Romans 14.22, this is a great scripture, it says this, Hast thou faith? Do you have it? Talking about those that have great faith, not weak faith. Hast thou faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the things which he allows. In other words, faith towards God is able to cause men to be filled and satisfied happy in life. Now, there are other people that are not going to achieve that, but we are not to compare our faith with their faith. Look, wherever they are, we are commanded to receive those that are weak in faith. And so, just like when, when we are facing things that, that we're facing now in this uh, pandemic, you know, some people would say, well, we ought to have church with... Yes, we should with everybody's strong faith. But what about the people that don't have strong faith? What about people that have conditions that would make them conducive to picking up a virus? Would we consider just the strong in faith? Would we reward just the 400? Or would we reward just those that went out to praise? Would we reward just those that had great faith? No, we wouldn't do that because every person is of value and we have to do things based on a non-respect of persons. And so we can't honor someone, but we can't leave out the weak. We can't leave out those that, for some reason, are dealing with physical ailments. I don't know why. Uh, we can't rule out those that have never started believing in healing. The Bible says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith. Should we condemn those that are sick because they don't have faith like the elders? No. We give them an option. Let us bear you up. Let us use our faith for your victory. So we cannot segregate or divide the body of Christ by our levels of faith. If we have faith, then let us bear the weakness of those that don't have. Remember, we can't make people see Jesus in a way that he has not revealed himself. Jesus asked the disciples in Matthew, the 16th chapter, who do men say that I am? They said, well, Elijah, one of the prophets. And, you know, so they, made, they stated all these names. He said, but who do you say that I am? Now, remember, this is the bedrock of the faith of the church. And he says, well, thou art the son of the living God. Wow. The Father hath revealed this unto you. So it's a revelation of heaven, not a revelation that's come from man. It is a revelation from heaven. And Jesus reveals to us in this passage of Scripture, some people will see Jesus as a Savior all their life. They're, they're never going to see him as healer. They're never going to see him as the one that prospers. They're never going to see him as one that delivers. They're never going to see him as a storm comer. They're, they're just not. We have whole denominations that see Jesus in one dimensional. 
But that doesn't matter. They are still our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we have to accept them right where they're at. Right where they're at. So that they can do what God wants them to do. In fact, Paul said this in Acts 27, 22 through 26. When he told the shipmates that was on this ship that was being broken apart by this storm. He said, be of good courage. The God in whom I serve. The God in whom I believe, I am persuaded in him. And he says these words, the angel of the Lord stood beside me and said, Paul, when that word came, when he saw God in the midst of that storm as being the God that rescued him, guess what? Paul became bold. He became full of faith. He became forward. But other men that may have been on that ship that did not believe, never heard, never saw God as a deliverer, never saw God as a preserver or the protector, but Paul did. So did Paul turn and condemn them? Well, you should be like me. No, absolutely not. Why? Because he was striving for unity, not for comparison. Daniel 11.32 says, They that know their God shall do great exploits. But we can't serve or require people to serve the God that we know. They have to find him for themselves. So let's not struggle with words and statements comparing one faith to another faith, comparing who your God is to my God? How about we just walk in unity? And when it all comes to an end, it'll all come out in the wash. And we may find ourselves in doing what we do, fighting against God. If you're weak in faith, don't condemn them that are rich in it. If you're rich in faith, don't condemn them that are weak in it. Those that can eat meat, let them eat meat. Those that can eat just vegetables, let them eat just vegetables. We do not need everybody to conform to us because we know that Christ is the center of our hope. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I do encourage you, don't forget, next Sunday we have a great announcement, and don't forget Wednesday night as Mike Roebuck. Mike has been in our church for 36 years. I encourage you that you join yourself and learn how to study the Bible. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be learning or relearning, and uh, so... I know that it's going to be a blessing to you. So don't miss that. And right now, can I have... Yes, Eric, thank you. <clears throat> hey, wow, man. I got it all today. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing this, and Kylan brought me bread that I couldn't even peel off the plate. And uh, it reminded me of my house. <laughs> so... We're going to receive communion today. And again, the whole purpose beside communion is the intent of remembering. Remembering where you've come from, remembering what Jesus has done, and remembering that he is coming again. And that's what we want to strive for, is to obtain eternal life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I join my faith with every person that is receiving communion. I join my faith, God, in a remembrance of what Jesus did and what he is doing in our life today and what we are looking forward to him doing when he comes and receives us. 
We ask God that this would reignite our faith, encourage our faith. Paul, you rec we received what Paul gave through Jesus himself, that this body was broken for Jesus and for our blessing. He bore the curse in his body, and God, you have given us life for death. You have given us blessing for cursing. God, you have given us joy for sorrow. Now, Father, we thank you for the great exchange of Jesus' body for our blessing. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. That same night, Paul receives from Jesus that the blood was shed for the remission of our sins. The thing about the blood is that it doesn't ever lose its power. It can set you free today from sin just like it has done in the past. It can set you free from sin just like it did the Apostle Paul, the chief of all sinners. The blood of Jesus can wash you white as snow. And so if you've made mistakes, if you've drifted from God, maybe you're bound by drugs, maybe you're bound by relationships that are ungodly, whatever it might be, please know this, that God is not looking for a way to condemn you. He's looking for a way to rescue you. And today is your way. And so receive the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're watching me right now and you've never been a Christian, there's nothing that can wash away man's sins and join him to Jesus Christ except faith in the blood of Jesus. And so if you're watching today, you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This is your opportunity to be set free of sin and to be joined, reconciled unto God. If you're a backslider, you've tasted and saw that the Lord is good, and it's time for you to come home. Sin gives you nothing, never has, and it never will. So if you're watching today, you've never been a Christian, you're watching today, you're a backslider, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now and I do believe that Jesus is your son. That he hung on Calvary, shed his blood, that my sins could be washed away. He was buried for three days in a tomb. And on that third day, you raised him up from the dead declaring that he is both Lord and Christ. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you now, and I know that you receive me. Father, I denounce all hidden works of darkness, and I receive that I am reconciled to you. I am your child. I'm born again. I'm saved by my faith in Christ Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer, please get in the comment uh, space. Let us know that you received Jesus Christ. We want to reach out to you because we want you to grow in your faith and in your relationship with Christ. Paul took this blood, this symbolism, and he drank it. And so if you make mistakes through your life, this blood is still there. Let us drink. Now, Father, I pray for people that are watching right now. I pray, God, for financial needs to be met. I pray, God, for an automobile needs to sell and another one needs to replace it. I pray, God, that this will be a fair deal, it will be a just deal, and it will be the right deal. I pray right now, God, for financial increase and provision for families that are watching in Jesus' name. I break the power of sickness and disease. I break the power of back problems.
problems, leg problems. God, I break the power of feet problems. In the name of Jesus, I command every hip problem to be thou made whole. Come out of them. God, I loose miracles in the lungs, into the heart, God's, in Jesus' name. Let God's kidneys and livers begin to operate and function. I curse God all types of digestive systems and bowel problems. I loose God right now a ringing in the ears. I curse it right now. I command you to go, and I loose a miracle into that ear. Now, God, I pray for that like it, you thought it was like a boil. It, it just showed up. It's on the back of your head, and it's on the right side, uh, just about at the top of your ear over. That is being healed right now. Don't mess with it. Just let it go because it will disappear in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for it. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for all that you've done, and we give you the praise for it. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. Mike Roebuck is teaching on how to study the Bible. We'll see you then. And Tim's got some announcements. All right. What a great message about unity. Let's be the church. Let's, let's move towards each other, loving each other, accepting one another, bearing one another's burdens. That's such a powerful reminder, especially in a time like this. We need one another. So here's a quick reminder. Reach your row. Reach out to your row. Let them know you love them. You're still there for them. A couple of quick announcements. We're doing a canned food or a uh, non-perishable food drive right now. Uh, several of the local food banks are running low. And so if you have some non-perishable food that you can donate, we're taking those donations from 9 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. on Sunday mornings and then 6 p.m. to 6.45 p.m. on Wednesday nights. So do that. Tonight at 6 p.m., Pastor Randy's got the children's church message, so make sure you tune in for that. And then Monday nights and Thursday nights at 8 p.m., our youth message goes live on Instagram. So we hope to see you guys there, and we'll see you back here Wednesday night for church. We love you.